Hello, listeners, and thanks for tuning in. We're here with Tula founder Eric Peterson for another podcast episode all about the work we do here at the Hakai Institute on the coast of British Columbia. Stay tuned for more episodes coming straight to your inbox or download the podcast in Podbean and listen on your way to work. Once again, here is Eric's podcast. As you probably know, Hakai's tagline is science on the coastal margin. So what exactly do we mean by the coastal margin? For starters, we mean Vancouver Island and Haida Gwaii, and we mean our south, central, and north coasts. The coastal margin starts with the coastal ocean. It then continues through the channels, bays, and inlets, and up the fjords, up through our coastal watersheds, snowfields, and glaciers, right up to the peaks of the coast mountains. But how exactly does Hakai study science on the coastal margin? We start with the fundamentals, and nothing is more fundamental than the topography of the land itself. Our coastal margin was thrust up over millions of years by tectonic forces, then carved up by many cycles of glaciation. In many ways, the landscape is still recovering from the trauma of the most recent ice age, which ended 15 to 18,000 years ago. When we study any ecological process, we always want to know the topography of the landscape we are working on in exquisite detail. In this case, we're particularly interested in our major coastal watersheds. Hakai's science is always strongly driven by technology. In this case, we use bare earth LIDAR to create detailed 3D maps or models of the specific areas we want to study. Let's look at the major external drivers that impinge upon this coastal topography. I always say that the coastal margin is where the Pacific Ocean meets the coastal temperate rainforest. The collision between these two world-class ecosystems creates an enormous flux of precipitation from the ocean to the land. Some of this precipitation falls as rain, some of it falls as snow. Quite a bit of the snow lands on our alpine glaciers. The scientists who study ice and snow have a cool name for this frozen domain. They call it the cryosphere. We foresee several important trends in weather and the cryosphere on our coastal margin. First, As the temperature of the Northeast Pacific Ocean rises, precipitation will probably increase. As the regional atmospheric temperature rises, more of the precipitation will fall in the form of rain. And because of that increase in temperature, snow and ice will melt more quickly. All of these factors combine to predict a reduction in the seasonal snowpack and glaciers. We already see this pattern quite dramatically in BC's cryosphere. It's one of the earliest and most important harbingers of the changes that we will face with changing climate. We use the following technologies to look at weather and the cryosphere. We deploy weather stations at all locations, including at high altitude. We use satellite imagery, LIDAR, and drones to measure the snowpack and glaciers. Let's think about what happens to all that rain, snow, and ice. Most of the precipitation falls on the windward slopes of the coast mountains, so much of it, that which doesn't evaporate, finds its way back to the ocean as runoff. Think of this runoff as timed release of water back into the watersheds. Rain returns to the ocean with a rapid time course measured in hours, days, or weeks. Seasonal snow persists until it melts in the spring. A small fraction of the inventory of glacialites melts in midsummer. Our coastal watersheds and all the species living in them, from forest to salmon, are exquisitely dependent upon this cycle of weather and runoff. 
its quantity, and particularly its timing. Think of what that burst of cool water in midsummer means for our migrating salmon. We use the following technologies to study this flux of water back to the ocean. We have gauges to measure flow through major rivers and representative streams. We have sensors to measure water tables, stream temperatures, the biochemistry of carbon and nutrients, dissolved oxygen, and pH. We use LIDAR and hyperspectral imagery to monitor forest hydration and health. In the estuaries and rivers, we employ surveys, ecosystem mapping with drones, salmon studies, biodiversity monitoring, and environmental DNA. Of course, we study our coastal ocean too. The ice ages have given us a coastline of amazing topographical complexity. Myriads of islands, channels, bays, inlets, and estuaries. Two major influences impinge upon our coastal ocean. We have the influence of the wider Pacific Ocean, its weather, its cyclical elements like El Nino and La Nina, and its anomalies such as the recent warm blob. We also have the influence of all the fresh water coursing out from the watersheds. We call this confluence of water flowing from the watersheds and the coastal ocean, we call that the riverine coastal domain. We study the following topics and technologies. We do hydrodynamic modeling of the ocean currents in the riverine coastal domain. We focus in particular on ocean acidification using sensors, shore facilities, buoys, grab sapling, and vessels of opportunity. We study many other aspects of physical and chemical oceanography using sensors, moorings, ocean gliders, and sampling from research vessels. We use genomics and other techniques to study biological oceanography, in particular our marine food webs, from microbes to phytoplankton and zooplankton. The topographical complexity of our coastline has created matching complexity of nearshore habitats. We have exposed high-energy zones versus sheltered zones versus intermediate zones. We have rocky reef versus rocky intertidal versus various soft sediments, sand, gravel, mud. All these habitats are, of course, bathed by the coastal ocean and influenced, in many cases, by freshwater runoff we talked about earlier. Some habitats are on the fringe of the deeper ocean. Others have rich, shallow, subtidal domains with rich benthic growth. The nearshore habitats on BC's coastal margin, particularly those near the Calvert Ecological Observatory, are legendary for their biodiversity. With such a rich menu of research possibilities, we need to focus on a few topics that we think are the most important. Foundation species, such as kelp, seagrass, seaweeds, coralline algae, which create habitat, are undeniably important. They are the forests and grasslands of the marine domain. We will continue to study them in great detail. We're also conducting an exhaustive inventory of biodiversity in one representative area adjacent to the Calvert Island site. This work is done in partnership with the Smithsonian Institution's Marine Global Earth Observatory and the University of Guelph's Barcode of Life database program. And, as always, we are interested in fundamental processes. In the near shore, that means studying microbes and myofauna, looking at biogeochemistry, looking at microbiomes and symbiosis. We use the following technologies. Intertidal and subtidal surveys, including SCUBA and ROVs, spatial mapping using drones, multi-beam sonar, and satellites, genomics, DNA barcoding, and environmental DNA. We study many other topics on the coastal margin, the migration of juvenile salmon, oysters and other commercial shellfish, 
historical ecology, including archaeology, disruptive processes such as disturbance, keystone predators, disease, recruitment, and invasive species. But those are big topics best discussed separately in future podcasts.